equal rights. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but after uh, last night's television programming, I thought um, we are in need of a superhero. So uh, put together this video. <laughs> Actually appeared in various church bulletins. <laughs> Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. 
<laughs> Thursday night, potluck supper, prayer and medication to follow. <laughs> Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. <laughs> For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery. <laughs> Tuesday at 4 p.m. there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk will please come in. <laughs> this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. A bean supper will be held on Tuesday evening in the church hall. Church hall. Music will follow. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> okay, I guess we better pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for uh, the laughter and the joy and the love that's in this place. And the bond and the unity. Father, we just pray that you would strengthen all of that tonight. And even the ones that can't be here, God, I pray that you would help them to feel apart and know that they're loved and that they're being prayed for and that uh, that people are watching out for them and care for them. I just pray tonight that you would anoint the word that's about to be given. Uh, I pray that you would speak through me. Open our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive and understand the things that you want to say tonight. And I pray that uh, that everyone would be able to, to glean from the words that I feel like you've deposited in my heart and that we would all leave here better. We thank you so much for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, that was funny. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about um, the power of prayer. And so if you're taking notes, it's Jesus on the main line. So that's a song. I don't know if you guys remember. It's a song. Turn to Jeremiah 33. Eric showed me this before service, and it's uh, pretty cool. Jeremiah 33, 3. Let me know when you get there. 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 <laughs> this is one of those that if, if, if maybe if we were, had been ramping up for a while, you would get a little bit more, but this is a hugely powerful statement. Jeremiah 33.3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So we're trusting that uh, tonight as we call on the Lord, He'll tell us great and unsearchable things that we don't yet know. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is the biggest obstacle in prayer. We, we all are familiar with prayer because every single one of us in here is a result of some answer. And I see one of us the natural course of our actions has wound up in this church and we're doing pretty well. It's just not how it works. There's an enemy out to destroy us. We have to turn to the Lord for help, and we talk to Him, we communicate with Him, and through that, He causes our life to take a different path, one that only He can put us on. Amen. And um, the biggest obstacle, uh, from what I've found, to prayer is pride. And I heard a wise man once give a good definition of the word pride, and it really helps to open it up and um, be relatable to everyone, I believe. Pride is an unreasonable and unregulated respect for oneself. Okay, so what that means is whether too high or too low, 
a wrong, unregulated respect for yourself is not healthy for your spirit. It's not healthy, and the Holy Spirit will check you on it if you want to be checked on it. So this means that when we look at ourselves as having pretty much everything together, we're doing pretty good, you know, God, we got this. We'll come to you, though, whenever it gets hard. That's pride. That's pride telling us that, no, you know what? I, I'm doing pretty well. I don't, I don't really need the Lord right now. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm just saying I don't really need the Lord for this right now. And the way that you say that, instead of putting the words together, is through saying, I'd rather sleep than get up and pray. Or I'd rather continue talking about this subject than talk to my brother and pray with him and pray about what's going on in our lives and get real. The same is true on the other side. If you think, you know what, <clears throat> I want to pray, but I've just done too many terrible things and, you know, I'm just I'm not a good person. I know it. Or, you know, I know that prayer is what I need to be doing right now, but I just don't feel close to God right now because of the things that I've done. Or how could he love me where I'm at? That's pride. That is an unregulated respect for yourself because there is no respect for yourself in that aspect. Not the way that God has told you to see yourself as a child of God as a prince, as an inheritor. <coughs> and so what we can look at is, since pride is our biggest obstacle for the sake of this argument, what does the Word say about where, how we should view prayer, the way that we should look at prayer? Turn to Romans 12.12. 12. Okay, Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Okay? Now, Colossians 4, 2. This is the last one before I tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> Colossians 4, 2. You just flip to the right. A few books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. God eats popcorn, right? <clears throat> Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Both the word devote, right there, and the word in Romans 12.12, being faithful to prayer, both mean the same thing. They're both the Greek word proskartereo. P-R-O-S-K-A-R-T-E-R-E-O. Proskartereo. And what this means is to join to and spend much time together. So that's really cool. So if we look back at what we're supposed to do, be joyful, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. Spend much time together with God in prayer. Or devote yourselves to prayer. Spend much time together in prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so that really puts it at a relatable, a relatable thing for us to understand. We know we need to pray. I don't have to sit up here and harp on you guys for that. We know we need to pray. But what's the importance of prayer, and what does it actually do? And how should we actually view it? And what does it do to our soul when we engage in communication with God? Well, what's happened in my life, and, and this is one thing that I've, I've definitely learned from Eric and that I'll take with me up there, is that no one can argue with your experience. No one can argue with what's happened in your life and the way that God has ministered to you in any area. They can sit up and, and form these arguments, but it's, it doesn't matter because you've experienced it. And um, I've seen prayer after prayer answered in my life, and not just... You know, Lord, I'd really like a pizza. You know, someone calls up and they order me a pizza. But, you know, things are serious. And you guys, 
all of you know what I'm talking about because this is a universal truth for anyone that's a child of God. You've been through terrible circumstances and God has delivered you. And that's why we're here. So the very first one that was the biggest deliverance in my life that I know without a doubt was God and I know without a doubt is done and I'm delivered from was suicide. I used to deal, and I know that probably you guys have, have probably heard my testimony, but just bear with me through it. Um, but when I was in, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I um, <clears throat> had a lot going for me. Things were great, great car. Um, you know, I had, I was popular. I was playing football, and I had just gotten a scholarship, forty-two thousand dollars scholarship to a private school, and things looked great. And one night, because I got in a fight with my parents because they grounded me for a week. I swallowed a handful of sleeping pills and about a dozen Tylenol PM and uh, laid up in my bed. And uh, my dad came up there and, and found me and took me to the hospital. And they pumped me full of charcoal and to diffuse uh, the medicine that I had taken. And I stayed there overnight. And um, it was pretty scary because I remember asking the nurse, you know, am I going to die? I asked her that. And she said, I hope not. And that was pretty scary to me. But the next morning, when she asked me, they were asking me questions. They were like, you ever had any sicknesses? You ever, you know, are your parents divorced? Have you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, why in the world would you want to commit suicide? And, uh, you know, I just said, I don't know. I guess I was just, just unhappy. And she said, well, I guess you'll never try this again. And I didn't want to say, oh, yes, I will. But I thought, you know, in my mind when she said that, I was like, I don't see anything stopping me. Because it wasn't just fear that needed to be put in me to keep me from thinking about that. You know, it wasn't fear of, of what might happen. Because I didn't fear that. What I hated was the way that my life was developing. And I saw that things were coming to me and it still wasn't getting me what I wanted. I was in church. I mean, that wasn't a, you know, according to everyone else in church, that was what I needed to be doing. And everything else would eventually fall together because I had my butt in church. But that's not the way it goes. And so I began to find that out. Well, anyways, I went off to college for a year still plagued. I mean, when I, when I tell you this, I'm not exaggerating. I would think about suicide several times a day. And that I, it, it didn't matter how good things were going. In fact, things could be going great. And all of a sudden, it would just come in my mind and I'd think, I don't want to live anymore. I don't, how could I do this? You know. And so, Gabriel told me about Master's Commission. You guys know that story. And I, I went up to Master's Commission. And the first week that I was there, I remember telling God, this is your last chance. This is it. Because I laid everything else down. I gave up my scholarship. I left, you know, I thought that I was sacrificing everything for the Lord. And so I said, this is your last chance. And I remember going there and I got into some argument. I got into some scuffle with, with someone else. And they put me down and I felt rejected. And so I was back on the road again and I was driving in my car. And I was just, I just closed my eyes and I took my hands off the wheel. And I, I, op I opened them back up for what seemed like seconds later. And, and I opened them and I was still driving straight down the road, not a car in sight. And I just started crying. I pulled off to the side of the road, and I, I just felt so empty. Well, that night, we had a chapel service. And that was when they brought... This was only a week into Master's Commission. They brought everybody from the program into this chapel. And, uh, you know, everybody got dressed up, and they all went, and the pastor was given a message. And I had no idea who any of these people were. I knew who Gabriel was. That was about it. And uh, anyways, he's preaching his message, just like I'm doing, and there was a couple hundred people in the, in the auditorium. <coughs> And he said, I'm going to stop my message right now because I'm getting this sense in my spirit, this overwhelming sense, that there's someone in here who's dealing with suicide. Now this is not just you think about it sometimes or you've thought about it before, but it is overwhelming your thoughts. 
And I was just, <laughs> I mean, I was just, I, I, I immediately my heart, you know, and, and, and he said, just everyone, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, okay? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I was the only one that raised my hand in the place. Mm -hmm. And he said, come on down. So I came down to the front and still just everything was going off in me and it was just, and my heart was beating and my blood was racing. And I went down to the front and they prayed that I would never deal with those thoughts again, that I would never deal with suicide again. And I, as sure as I'm standing here, I have not thought about it once since then. Not thought about it once. And I wasn't, it wasn't that I had gotten to some mountain peak with the Lord. And that was a, I, I mean, I was where I was and he mm -hmm. met me there mm -hmm. and he delivered me from that. Yes. Before I got it all right, mm -hmm. before everything was perfect, he delivered me. And that was a huge answered prayer. And so immediately from that point on, just like, just like when someone makes a really good impression of you, you think the world of them. God made a really good impression on me at that point. And I thought the world of them. And so I began to, to leave one thing after another. And I began to try and discover where I was prideful. Discover where I not only had negative views of myself, but also where I maybe thought too highly of myself. And as I began to search those things out, and as I began to get before the Lord, and believe you me, this happened over a period of time. Because there were required hour and a half sessions of prayer that I took my DVD player to and hid under a pew and watched movies with headphones on in the sanctuary. <laughs> so, I'm not kidding, several times. But over, the, over a period of time, that just goes to show you, I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere near perfect, but, but God was delivering me. And uh, any, anyways, not that I'm there now, but, um, but then I began to see answered prayers for desire, for a passion for God. I had an unbridled passion for God that was just zeal. And you guys have heard of that term before, just zeal without knowledge. You know, and I didn't have knowledge of, of who God was. And I was just excited. And uh, as I began to... To, to get into worship and, and to just be humble and, and not be afraid to embarrass myself in worship, I began to feel pride just kind of falling down to the ground. I began to feel not just haughty views of myself, but also negative views of myself. And I began to realize that there was more that I could get to with the Lord. There was more freedom to be had. There was more answered prayers out there. If, if He could deliver me from this, what else could He deliver me from? Or what else could He answer, you know? And not in a way that, you know, that, you know he, was a, he was a cosmic genie for me, but just in a way that, man, I, I trust him with this, and, and he did so well with it. I want to trust him with more. And uh, anyways, so through prayer and, and humble worship, it helped me. It helped me to get a passion for God, and it helped me to, to hone it in and find out eventually what my focus should be in life. And that's where prayer led me. In a passion for God, and I broke past what I felt like was a superficial salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was probably the coolest one to date. Uh, <clears throat> Lindy uh, was not my wife when we first met, so there was a whole course of events from that first meeting uh, until we got married. But about the second time that I remember seeing her, uh, she was up on a stage, and we were in Boston. Was it Boston, Massachusetts? Is that where we were? Somewhere. We were somewhere in the north. It's all the same once you get up there. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, we were standing, uh, we, were, we were sitting actually, and she was a part of this group. It was the Elite Five that put on jumpsuits. Yes, you were. And, and they put on jumpsuits, and she got chosen. She was just a first year. So it was, it was a very, it was a privilege to be able to get on the stage with these other four guys. And she put on a jumpsuit, and she got up and she gave her testimony. And she'll tell you, during that first year, 
She did nothing to elicit attention from guys. She wore, you know, white plain t-shirts and she wore sweatpants and, yes, and, you know, she didn't wear makeup. She, she, she wasn't trying to draw anything out of guys that wasn't godly. And um, immediately when she was up there on the microphone, she was giving her testimony. The Lord spoke to me and that was the very first time that he had spoke to me in that clear of a way. And he said, that's going to be your wife. And I was dating someone else at the time. And so, anyways, I was like, Pfft. and I told the guy next to me, just so I'd have a witness, I said, the Lord just told me that's going to be my wife, and he just, he just thought that I was just crazy. So I promise you, I'm not kidding. And, uh, and later on down the road, I remember getting together with my friends, and they were like, come on, we're going to go have an all-night prayer fest. So I was like, all right, that's cool. I was at a point where that was cool, and not that it's not cool, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is they were like, come on, we're all going to go to the sanctuary. So we, we bundled up, and we got some snacks and stuff like that, and uh, went to the sanctuary. And I got down on my knees to pray, and I thought, man, the Lord's really going to bless me for sacrificing like this. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I remember getting down on my knees, and uh, I started to pray, and he said, he said, you're not going anywhere until you let go of what you're holding on to from back home. And it was like, I had eight hours worth of prayer ahead of me. Oh. And I was like, and I couldn't leave now because I rode with my buddies, and I'm, what am I going to be like? Guys, I'm tired, I'm going to go home. So I couldn't miss out. So I was there for eight hours dealing with everything and going through you know the, the issues in my heart but I did it and I let go of it and I felt like that was showing God one more area where I was like you know what if, if that's what you want me to give up there you go and that only happened through communication why would I trust this being that had never done any good for me before with something as big as that but it wasn't like that he had delivered me before I could trust him because he's shown me that I can trust him and he's faithful and he's done things to, to lead me to believe that even if I don't understand this, even if it doesn't make sense to me, do it. And good things will happen. And so, anyways, out of that came my relationship with Lindy further on down the road. And she was the first girl to reject me. Not that no one could reject me, but I always made sure to find out, that, make sure they would say yes before I asked them out. She actually turned me down and said, no, I don't see everything that, that I want in a husband. And I just awesome. deflated. And uh, but <laughs> but over time, I worked on her and worked her down. And eventually, she was just. <laughs> eventually, she gave in. Um, here's a here's a really cool one. During my first year too, um, my dad was an alcoholic uh, for as long as I can remember, and he I don't want to say dealt with it because it wasn't like. Well, I'm trying to stop. He just, he just was an alcoholic. And um, he did his best to hide it from us, and my mom did the same. Um, but eventually, as I got older, you obviously understand a little bit more. And um, anyways, when I went off to Master's Commission, things started getting hard with my brother, and I wasn't there anymore. And a lot of times when they would fight, I would try and make jokes to make them laugh and forget about their problems and stuff like that. And uh, I wasn't there. And so I thought, crap, my family is falling apart, and I'm up here, up north, just focusing on myself. And that was the devil, though. And he was telling me, he was telling me, you got to get back home. you got to hold your family together. And the Lord spoke to me in that same way that he spoke to me, that Lindy was going to be my wife, and said, don't worry about them. I will restore your family. <laughs> and I, as, sure, as sure as he said that, and, and, but the thing was, it wasn't right then. It wasn't right then that things happened. And I still had to pray. I still had to go to the Lord, and I still had to say, Lord, I, I do pray that you would restore my family. I know that you've given me that word. I pray that it comes to fruition. I pray that your will would be done in my family. I believe your word, Lord. And I had to go before him. 
And it was like, I'm not convincing the Lord or reminding Him of what He said so that He doesn't forget. I'm reaffirming that in my heart. Yes. That God gave me a word. I will continue to meet with Him, continue to hear from Him so that He can reaffirm it in my heart. Because sometimes doubt creeps in. But it's through that steady communication. It's through that open line of prayer that we continue to remember the things that God has told us. And we don't get afraid. And we don't let doubt creep in and steal away our faith in the Lord. Yeah. So anyways, things happen. One thing happened after another. And my dad went into rehab. And this dramatic change began to happen as AA, which is not a solution for everyone, but it worked for my dad. So he got in and they said, you have to acknowledge a higher power. You have to acknowledge something is greater than yourself. And I think that that is such a key because as soon as he did that, he realized life is bigger than just me and I got other people to care about. And my, my mom and him started dating again and eventually they got back together and their relationship is stronger than ever and they edify each other and they encourage each other. And yeah, my brother went through hard times and stuff like that, but that you're not guaranteed smooth sailing after an answered prayer. What happens is God proves himself faithful and you're on to the next task. <clears throat> so, um, cool thing, I'll tell this now because we got two missions trips coming up. I was going to go to India, and this was a huge thing for me because I'd never gone overseas to do any kind of mission work, and, and, but I was told at the very beginning, and you can't have a job during this Master's Commission thing, but I was told at the very beginning that it was going to be $2,500 to raise. So I had $2,500 to raise without a job. So we sent out support letters, and you know we tried to do odd-end jobs and stuff like that. I got dressed up in a sumo suit and tapped on a table with pins <laughs> in the middle of the busiest mall in Rockford, and you know tried to make some money and stuff like that. But in the end, in the end, I was a day. I was. It was a day before the money was required to be in, or you were told that you could not go. And I owed a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars was due in 24 hours. And uh, I remember sitting in a room, and there's this guy named Matt Eikoff, godly man. And um, he was waiting uh, with me, you know, just we were just praying, talking about what we were going to do. And uh, he got a phone call from his church, and they said, we'd like to sponsor one of your friends. we got $1,000 to give, you know, towards a mission trip. Do you know anybody? Do you have anybody in mind? And he looked over at me and smiled. And he got off the phone and told me, and I, was just, I couldn't even believe it, because God had provided. And he could have done it through any way. He could have done it way ahead of time, so I didn't have to worry. But he did it in his own timing, and I will never forget that provision. I will never forget that. And, I, and it makes it a lot harder for me to doubt next time that there's a sum of money that's due because he's been faithful in the past. Um, is this good? I mean, yes. 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 Uh, it's like showing a video of my kids. I mean, these are, you know, these are personal to me, but anyone can relate because God is faithful. And he provides, and he loves his children, and he talks to us. Um, I also did, did a 21-day prayer and, and Daniel, the 21 days of praying, and, and I prayed that God would heal my eyes. And I, I prayed every day, as many times as I thought of it, God, heal my eyes, restore my vision, give me perfect vision. That's what I want. I believe that if I pray, that you can do it. And sometime later, I got LASIK. And I can see perfect now, and the bills are paid, and all that's left is me having perfect vision. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I could dismiss it as coincidence, or... I could say God provided again. God healed my eyes. He gave this unthinkable surgery information to a doctor so he could perform it on me, and now I can see perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like medical industry or God. God gave, you know, so it's not even a, it's not even a thing. And, but now I know that God has healed my eyes, yes. and I can see perfectly. 
I mean, 2,400, I, I mean, I couldn't even see the E on the I chart, and I can see perfectly now. So, <laughs> just amazing. Um, here's a little cool thing, too. I prayed for uh, Lily before she was born, wrote in my journal, and prayed specific things for Lily. And uh, one of the things that I prayed was that, actually, three of the things that I prayed that you could see, because you guys knew her, for curly hair. I wanted her to have just wild, crazy, curly hair. For her to have blue eyes, sky blue eyes, and for her to have a soft cry as a baby. Still got the curls, still got the blue eyes. Her cry's not soft anymore. But it was when she was a baby. She had a very soft cry. But the Lord said, all right, enough is enough. You got to experience what every parent has to experience. So here it is. Um, turn to Luke 12, 28. God is a God who honors prayers of specifics. So get specific. Okay. <clears throat> Luke twelve twenty eight. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? What that speaks to me, what that verse speaks to me is, don't you ever doubt how much God wants to bless you. Don't you ever doubt how much he loves you. Look at how he treats his creation. Are you of not worth so much more value than the creation and the things that are here today and gone tomorrow? He loves you so much and wants to bless you and wants to provide for you and wants you to see that it's not just circumstance or coincidence that brought this provision. It's him. It's him. Yes. And realize that and notice that. Uh, something I was talking about with Matt and Cass last night um, is that prayer works just like a relationship. Um, when we first start off, when we're young in the Lord, and when it's, you know, what some people might call a honeymoon phase, what we begin to trust Him with first is conviction. We, we go to Him and we pray, and we hear from Him, I want to get rid of this, and I want to get rid of this, because anything that the Holy Spirit says, is that good? Is that godly? No, it's not. You get rid of it. You know, it doesn't, it, you don't have to explain it. You don't have to have logic or reason. It's like, the Holy Spirit told me to throw it out. I threw it out. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. And, and he, be, he opens that line of communication with you. And he, he starts saying, is it, do, do you want this in your life? Do you want this in your life? It's, no, I don't. I don't. What do you want for me in my life? What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want. You know, and you do crazy things in those times. Because it's, it, you can feel it. And you know it's so strong. The conviction is so strong. The Holy Spirit is there. What's, what's interesting is that over time, as we push that conviction aside, and as we make compromises, that voice gets smaller and smaller. We need to do whatever we can to make sure that that voice stays as loud as possible. Accountability. Make yourself accountable. Offer up things that are in the dark. Bring them to light. Find healing, because the <coughs> enemy works when you're isolated. The enemy wants to isolate you. So you keep open lines of communication between you and God and between you and your fellow man. You can't separate the two. You have to talk. You have to put yourself out there. You have to show up for life. You can't hide. Okay? So if prayer works, uh, if prayer works just like a relationship, you start small and you build trust. God sends something your way. You know, when you're young, when you're young in Him. Hey, give that guy some encouragement. And you walk in and you're like, Hey man, I just want to tell you, I love you so much and I feel like you're doing a great job in the kingdom. You have no idea what's going on in his mind or what's going on in his heart but the Lord told you to do it and so you do it you do it and that shows him that he can trust you with little things and then the next time it might be hey take your lunch money and go give it to someone else or go buy someone else a meal 
And you're like, ah, but I'm not going to get to eat. But you know what? Okay. And you go and do it. And you buy him, and he sees that he can trust you with a little bit more. In the same way, just as I was describing earlier, as we offer up something to the Lord, we may start small. We may say, okay, Lord, you know what? I really want to deal with my anger. You know, help me not to be frustrated at this person. Something very small. And we see change, and we see things begin to switch. And we attribute it to the Lord, and we begin to trust Him. Something small, but it starts off big. And so it's this open line of communication where He says, Hey, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to see happen in your life. Hey, this is what's on my heart. This is a desire of my heart. This is how I feel. And as you begin to exchange those things, He can trust you, and you can trust Him. And it builds to where one day it may be, God forbid, but if it's His will, then bring it on. God forbid you've got someone standing there that's your loved one and their, their life is in someone else's hands and they're holding you accountable for it. And you have to make a decision. But it's not at that point that God holds you responsible for making the right decision. It's been the little things that have built up to that. God will not put you in a situation where you can't handle it. And you won't get to that situation unless you progress in Him. You have to trust Him with more and more and he has to be able to trust you with more and more or you're stagnant. Anything that doesn't grow is dead. Okay? So we're constantly moving higher and higher. If you're not being challenged by the Lord, seriously take some self-inventory and find out what's going on. Why am I not moving higher? Why don't I understand what he's saying? And why do I feel isolated? Okay? So, you know, we're getting near the end. I, I do I do, I do have this it's call to action, I guess. I'm, you're supposed to end every speech with it or every... Sermon. <clears throat> Prayer. You've got to believe in it. It's a very common saying. All we can do is pray. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, all we can do is pray. It's like, well, last resort, you know. I used up all my ammo. I guess I better pick up a, a little stick and try and beat off my enemy. No, man. You're calling in the air assault. You know, you're calling in the big guns because you are accessing unlimited power. You are accessing a God who knows what to do and what you need, and you're calling on Him. And that, that's what's so cool, and that's what brings confidence when you pray for someone like Chris who's not anywhere near our proximity, but is far away. Because we don't have to worry about distance. God's not concerned with distance. He doesn't go... You're outside the 100-yard zone. If you just got in it, then I could do something. That's not what he's saying. Not at all. And in fact, he has the power to heal him at any time. And we don't need to be worried as to whether or not he can do it. We just need to pray for his will to be done and ask him what we may and believe in our hearts that he gives freely to those who love him. So watch your words when it comes to the power of prayer. Make sure that you trust in it. Yes. Trust in your God's ability to deliver you, yes. to heal you, to encourage you, to convict you, to correct your path, and also to give you favor everywhere you turn. Because He wants to do those things. Because He loves you. It changes the world. Yes. One cool guy, back in the day that we were at Master's Commission, who was just known for his powerful prayers. We'd get in the morning and we'd all go around. And it was prayer for missions. It was missions prayer. And it got to be this whole deal where people were just running back and forth and you know they were praying real loud and shouting and stuff. And it was very powerful. It was very moving. Um, but what he would say to get everybody pumped up, and it, it still does to me to this day, 
he would say, before everybody starts, he would get down like a football coach before a big game, and he would say, believe that the prayers that you're about to, ch that you're about to pray will change the world. Yes. And if you believe that, if you have an attitude like that, mm -hmm. there is nothing that God can't do through you. Yeah. So that's it. Should we, yeah. should we pray? Yeah. Yeah. Should we pray? Yeah. Should we pray? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we just better pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You are such a good dad. You provide, and, and you're so loving, and you know what we need, God, and, and you're just so good. I just pray that tonight, as, as the enemy would, would want to come quickly and steal away anything good that was learned here tonight or heard or felt, Lord, I pray that you would solidify this in our hearts and in our spirits, that it would be unmovable, God, and that it would be part of the foundation of our faith. Lord, to believe that you hear us and that you move, God, when we pray. So I thank you so much for the love that's in here. Yes. Continue to strengthen it, God. Bless these people. Bless this church. Its future is so bright. I pray, God, that you would anoint these people for the tasks that are ahead of them and drive out the enemy before them and help them to overcome every obstacle that is in their way, Lord. Grow them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.